0: I definitely feel like there are so many role models around us, there are so many amazing role models, so many other people in you know, STEM fields, but somehow there's a sense of unreachability because there's not a normalization of female mathematicians of female engineers or female scientists.
1: Welcome to the season six of Outliers. I'm your host, Pankaj Mishra, and I'm really thrilled to be bringing this edition of Outliers in collaboration with The Times of India. Outliers is a series of freewheeling conversations with the ones who choose to take the road not taken often. It's about the crazy and the curious. Those who dare to stand out and stand alone. Keep listening. A lot of us care about different issues in our life and work. One one of the topics that I I often uh, see play out on on social media, on, you know, dinner table conversations and coffee table conversations, you know, is a lot around diversity, uh, gender equality and, and so on. Unfortunately, you know, when it comes to the mainstream people, you know, the companies and the ecosystem and so on. A lot of this is uh, uh, timed around a Women's Day celebration or things like that. And, and that kind of becomes a lip service uh, for, for many of us. So today's Outlier podcast is special for many reasons. First of all, it is a special because I have, uh, this, is the, this is the third uh, teenager who I am having on the Outliers podcast and, and it's always amazing to meet and talk to these young people. Um, I'm with Ananya Gupta who is uh, 17 uh, and is all set to uh, you know graduate and get to attend uh, stanford from september and why is she an outlier before i bring her in you know i was uh, browsing i when i heard about her i looked at uh, the website called grit parity and the the first line on the website is are your school textbooks gender neutral and and that's something i had never thought about it and a lot of us talk about things, but very few of us kind of do anything about it. And and, and Ananya is clearly someone who is doing a lot about it. Before I keep talking and, you know, without stopping, Ananya, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much, Pankaj. I'm very happy to be here. Very grateful.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So, Ananya, before we get into the details of what you have built and and, and why, tell me a bit about yourself. Uh, how, How has it been growing up? For you, and uh, if if you can quickly also tell us uh, about uh, when did you exactly you know you believe you started becoming uh, aware about uh, these issues?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I get asked this question a lot about you know when was that moment? When was that aha moment when I said I want to pursue feminism, I want to pursue gender equality? Um, but I think it's just been a progression of things. Um, You know, you see the news, you see social media, uh, but at a young age, of course, I was very unaware of this, but it slowly started, you know, building up. For example, uh, you know, when I was young, 12 or 13, we used to have like discussions on at dinner uh, when someone would say, act like a man or act like a lady or be a man. Um, And I didn't really know what that meant. What does being a man mean? What does being a woman mean? And I think those are just like questions that I, I asked and questions that I was curious about. And I think that was my first, um, you know, step into gender equality and what gender means. Um, and yeah, so those were like the beginning steps about it. We used to have discussions and even arguments and debates in our house uh, and within our family friends. And that was really interesting. But I think my the main manifestation of my passion for gender equality was, um, you know, in 10th grade when I met two amazing friends. um, And we decided to start a club at our school called the Girl Up Club. So Girl Up is a larger initiative by the UN. um, And you can start a chapter at your school. So we decided to go ahead and do that. And within that club, you know, we have more intensive debates, we have intensive discussions about several issues that are around gender equality in the entire world. Um, and you know, we have discussions on you know, body image, gender representation, so on and so forth. And we even do really important hands-on activities within our societies as much as we can. So for example, um, you know we had a STEM for Women workshop at a few schools. We did a public speaking workshop for both young girls and young boys. Um, and you know we did a STEM for social good project. So there's just a bunch. There's been a bunch of discussions, eye-opening discussions, um, and there's been, some, been a bunch of activities that are also eye-opening that have opened me so much to to real problems that are there in Bangalore itself, that are there in our society itself. So I think that's how I've stumbled upon the path of feminism of gender equality, and I think it's a really important issue that. And I'm really grateful to have, like, come across this and be working within it.
1: No, absolutely, Ananya, and, and more power to you. Uh, you know, when, when you were doing all those uh, activities, workshops, or, or, you know, those conversations, mm-hmm. what did you see and what did you learn? Can, you know, can you handpick some of your realizations or anecdotes or things that forced you to think harder or act on it. I mean, can you handpick some of your realizations? What did you see around you when you were doing all these things?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think one of the biggest things I saw was that we are really divided as human beings, but all so divided, and on principles like gender equality, which should be an easy win, um, but I think our past and our history is what has caused gender inequality. Um, you know, everything is led up to it when there's like it doesn't make logical sense to discriminate in the first place i feel like discrimination isn't a logical thing uh, by nature so yeah i realized how like divided we are how even people that i've known my whole life um, you know how we have different viewpoints on certain things and how important that is and how important it is to have discussions that kind of bridge the gap or try to understand each other's perspectives i think that's a really important Um, you know, thing that I've realized that even when you're divided, it's important to listen. It's important to listen to each other and try to reach a consensus as best as we can. Um, You know, this brings me to a whole other point, but I might be going off track, but uh, um, you know, when we're building technologies like AI uh, Mm -hmm. there are issues like AI biases, there's gender inequality in AI itself. So we have to reach consensus as a society on issues like biases on racial biases on gender biases um and see what you know to choose and to kind of fix on a set value of belief so that we can impart that to our new technologies and our new society um and other thing i realized was like i think for the past few years i've realized how important the environment you grew up in is to your mindset so for example um if I'm having an argument with someone a few generations older than me um, about something like, equal- something like gender equality or feminism, I've begun to realize that um, it's the conditioning that's imparted to you that forms your opinion. So I've started realizing how important, you know, the factors that make you grow up, things like education, things like family discussions, um, aspects like that, how important they are to make you the adult you're going to become, how important childhood is, how important, you know, what you learn when you're young is to, you know, form your opinions later, form the basis of who you are. I think that that's something I've definitely realized, something that I see in myself. Like, for example, I'm extremely privileged to have grown up, you know, in a household where, I'm told that I should follow my passions no matter what, that I should do what makes me happy no matter what. Um, But many people aren't, uh, you know. That's what I realized through the Girl Up activities when we interacted with students who go to um, government schools, especially because we used to interact with them a lot. And I realized how different the mindset was. And it's only a result of, you know, how you're growing up, where you're growing up, what you're being taught. So that was... A really important revelation for me. Um, and yeah, that's definitely fueled me uh for my future goals. Wow,
1: well, no, you, you make such an important point, Ananya. You know, how we grow, where we grow, what we are taught and what we are exposed to overall. And a lot of these these are societal and hmm. deeply rooted. So can you talk a little bit more about uh, the girl of initiative uh, that you were involved with and and that you were you know doing can you elaborate a little on that how how was that experience and also handpick any examples that illustrate uh, some of those learnings best
0: let me think so there's so many examples to choose from because I feel like the Gala Club has been the place where I've had the most growth possible uh, where I've met amazing people from around the world where I've talked to you know So many new people, been exposed to so many new ideas. Okay, so for example, one of our first few projects in the Girl Up Club was a project called Orange the World. So Mm -hmm. this is something, so this is a day, so it's called Orange the World, that's a specific day where you you wear orange, you tie orange ribbons to show support for victims of domestic violence and raise awareness about domestic violence. So in our school, that was one of our first activities. You know, we were tying the ribbons around everyone's hand. We got all the faculty and the teachers to wear, you know, orange and come to school. And we were handing out these flyers. We put up posters everywhere to increase the discourse on domestic violence, show facts and statistics about this problem. Um, And it was a really fun day. I feel like everyone really got into it in our entire school. And yeah, it was mixing this fun activity of like ribbons with an important social message. So I think that, you know, like those experiences of community, those experiences of just telling someone something or giving someone examples or, you know, having a discussion about domestic violence, you know, educating people about it. That was a really interesting day. It just shows me how important it is to to be aware and to know about the problems around you and to also tell other people about the problems so that, Everyone can know about it. Everyone can know about what's going on around you. And yeah, just basically have awareness. So that was a really interesting activity. Things like, you know, public speaking or the STEM for Women workshop was really amazing. Or we even did this play for third and fourth graders about gender equality. Um, And, you know, just those different ways of expressing your thoughts through plays, through ribbons, through writing. So I think that's something that's really stuck with
1: me. No, that, that's very fascinating, Ananya. Now, let, let, let's go to, uh, you know, to your journey of building grid parity okay. itself. And, and, and tell me the initial building blocks. Like, how did you get there? Uh, at what point in time you, you started feeling that, okay, textbooks have a problem, right? Because a lot of us have grown up reading them or not reading them in my case. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> You know, it hits uh, at what point did it start, uh, you know, kind of troubling you? Can you take me through those initial uh, journey and then then go into the details?
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, at this workshop we were doing, we posed a question What do you want to be in the future? And this young girl came and told me, I want to be a mathematician. And I was really excited. I was so happy, um, you know, that there was someone who was pursuing STEM, who, you know, was excited about it. But then it turned into a contemplation, you know, when she engaged in a discussion about how, how low the confidence is when you're going into such a field. So even though her academic prowess was amazing, it didn't seem like a viable option. So she could go and study it, but it didn't seem like a viable career option. It didn't seem like something that she'd be doing for a long time. So I definitely feel like there are so many role models around us. There are so many amazing role models uh, like Shakuntala Devi. So many other mathematicians. So many other people in um, you know STEM fields. But somehow there's a sense of unreachability because there's not a lack. There's a there's not a normalization of of female mathematicians, of female engineers, of female scientists, um, and even of male nurses, male teachers, male caregivers. Uh, and I think. Like, that's important to look at. Um, this mindset needs to get changed. So basically, you know, after having this discussion, I I was wondering, I'm someone who really likes to treat the cause instead of the symptoms. So I tried my best to find the cause of this mindset, to find the cause of, um, you know, why this is occurring. Okay, yes. so I'm going to change switch gears a bit. So, sure. Uh, sure. no, so... Again, you know, I'm privileged to have grown in a family where you're you told you have to follow what you like, no matter what. Uh, but that's not the case for many others. I'm extremely fortunate, extremely lucky in that sense. Um, and even I face tiny things like the imposter syndrome. Um, but those are inconsequential in comparison to what's happening because of this implicit discrimination that's present in the textbooks that's present in education itself. So coming back to the main discussion, um, I, again, my, I'm a product of the people around me. My mom uh, was a teacher and educator, and my dad is a tech entrepreneur. So, you know, I'm definitely a product of those two worlds. I've grown up knowing how important education is, how, how education can truly change, like the values of your generation, um, how we can mold the adult you're about to become. Um, I've learned that from my mom as she's an educator. Um, and I've kind of noticed it's important, that's important that education has. Uh, and furthermore, my dad, I've learned how important entrepreneurship and innovation and technology is to drive change. Um, so I'm definitely a product of those two worlds. So I was trying to find a cause for this problem, right? Um, mm-hmm. I first up online. And I found that there were so many studies on the issue of unequal gender representation. So I was reading this UNESCO Jam report on education and how education shapes mindsets, shapes people's opinions of gender roles, and so on. So, you know, I yeah, I was reading this report and it said that 70 to 90 percent of teaching actually stems from textbooks. So I decided to begin my search, you know, from there. Um, I saw online, there were so many studies. There was an entire bouquet of studies being conducted on um, gender representation in textbooks. So I found there were studies in Australia and Singapore, in other states of India, in Maharashtra, in Bengal, in Karnataka itself, um, in Australia, Singapore, Pakistan, Egypt. So there was a, a plethora of studies being conducted on this unequal gender representation in textbooks. Um, And I I found that extremely fascinating. I was like, wow, this is a quantitative problem. This is something that we can actually change to help our goal of gender equality. Mm -hmm. So, you know, following that, I thought I found a problem statement um, that, you know, trying to solve the unequal gender representation of textbooks. And I wanted to double down and see if this problem statement applies by myself. So, conducted this quantitative analysis um, of elementary Karnataka state board textbooks and I found that on average 75 percent of the representations of males and only 25 percent of females. So Mm -hmm. I did this considering um, you know the textual representation and the visual representation but on average 75 percent to 25 percent that was a really um, unequal figure and I knew that this was a solid problem so something that we could solve. Um, so with that I decided to you know begin thinking of what I can do to help this problem and as I said you know my dad has taught me about innovation about entrepreneurship and that's when I decided to apply um, artificial intelligence to help this problem and build a toolkit that's the general public can actually use to check if their textbook is unequal. Um, yes. So when I was doing the quantitative analysis, it took a long time to read everything to count the number of images. Um, but with this <laughs> AI tool, anyone can just upload their textbook and get the results. So that was, you know, those were the steps to getting to building Grid Parity.
1: Grid Parity. Well, what, what a beautiful name. How, yes. how did
0: that happen? It definitely took a long time to come up with. Um, but, okay, so GRIT actually stands for Gender Representation in Textbooks. That's like a little yeah. <laughs> little funny thing I added. <laughs> so yeah, I was like GRIT parity, Gender Representation in Textbooks. And of course, parity. Um, and I feel like the R's add a good <laughs> rhyme to it. <laughs> I really like the name.
1: <laughs> so Nanyam, what happened after that? Like, uh, how was the like, initial response? What were some of the things you learned? And, you know, can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Okay, so initially it was a hard process to build because there hasn't been any other toolkit like this. And it was very daunting um, to build something like completely new. So initially I was like, I don't think I can do this. Um, but it took some time for me to get over that mindset and actually just try it out. Take that risk and go ahead and do it. Um, so, you know, like we had to build our data set by taking pictures from uh, the textbooks. I had my mom and brother helping me um, build my data set by literally taking pictures from textbooks. Um, yeah, but uh, skipping forward past that entire long process of building it and deploying it. I think once we deployed it, I was um, super grateful that, you know, people like, we haven't thought about this before. Um, and, like, now we realize it. Now, you know, when I look back at my textbooks, when I think about my textbooks, I didn't see that representation. And, like, people started talking about it. I think that was a really interesting thing that came out of building grid is that people started talking about this issue um, a lot more and talking about the general issue of representation and gender representation and how to... Kind of change the gender roles that are currently present. So that was a really interesting response to Grid Parity itself. And yeah, I was just grateful for that people used the tool and people said, oh my God, my textbook has this much representation, this much representation. People were just talking about it. So that was a really interesting outcome. That was definitely what I wanted um, people to get from Grid Parity in general, because the general public should be able to check it out to be able to see what they're learning and see what's actually there in the textbooks. So that, that was like the initial response. So after that, there's been quite some work going on. But yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah,
1: that, that's really nice. Ananya, can you talk a little bit about how does it actually work? So I upload a textbook in PDF or, or whatever form. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens behind the scenes? Like, uh, and, and, and did you code it all uh, yourself? Or how, how did you build the product itself?
0: So um, basically, you upload your textbook, it's a PDF, as you said, on the gridparity.com. And in the back end, we have this AI thing run it's a few AI models running. um, And how we detect the representation of your textbook, how the report comes out is visual representation, textual representation, and the careers in which each gender is represented in. So in terms of visual, uh, we have this image classification model in the back end that detects how many male illustrations there are and how many female illustrations. So you know the cartoon images that you have in your textbooks, you have the real-life images. So it detects yes. all of that, all of the illustrations, and it counts it. Um, for textual, it basically counts. So especially in English books and you know in elementary school textbooks, It's chapter-wise, and almost all textbooks is chapter-wise. So what we do is we split up the chapters, we detect how many chapters there are, and um, in each chapter, we try to get which, you know, who the protagonist is, who is mentioned the most in the story, what role are they playing. So we try to detect who the protagonist is by counting, you know, the pronouns, the named entity recognition, stuff like that. So With that, we, you know, count how many chapters have primarily male representation and how many chapters have primarily female representation. Mm -hmm. So then after that, for careers, there is a really interesting, you know, natural language processing framework. It's called coreference resolution. So with that, okay, so for example, I'll give you a sentence. So the teacher was very happy with the class. She brought us all chocolates. Mm-hmm. So what the AI model does is it detects teacher and she and it relates mm-hmm. that. So basically, it gets the gender-career relation. That she, it sees wow. which career, which gender is representing which career, and creates like a table of that. So um, <clears throat> those are the three components of the back end. Um, and those are that's what you know creates your final report that comes out of the grid party. When you upload your textbook,
1: <laughs> this, is, this is really amazing. And kudos to you for applying AI machine learning. Now, can you tell me a little bit about how uh, it's been since the time you went live with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how you explain that, but number of uh, instances that you picked up, or uh, how's, how it's been? What kind of data are we talking about so far? How's been the response overall?
0: Yeah, so I've tried out a bunch of books myself from, you know, NCERT and state board textbooks. And yeah, there's definitely a disparity. We see that consistently. A few of them don't have, so kudos to that. Uh, But generally, there needs to be a change. There needs to be sensitivity towards this issue. And 318 textbooks have been uploaded till now by people all over the world. Um, And a lot of them are definitely biased towards males. That just shows you the general condition in the world. But yeah, so that's how it's been. You know, we've had going forward, we're actually trying to take this to CBSC or to the government. So mm-hmm. we're currently trying to make progress in the NCERT books. Um, I just got done with my board exams got canceled. So now okay. i have a lot of free time to kind of focus all of my attention onto this. So we're making a concrete plan on how we're going to roll this out how we're going to roll this out into the publishing process of NCERT books and so on. So we're planning on beginning with the textual and then getting to the visual. So that's going to be a whole process. Hopefully it'll get implemented uh, soon and you'll be able to see. Yeah, so what we're planning to do is we still have to get this approved. But what I hope happens is once you get the report, you have a stamp that comes onto your textbook or your book. So that's the process we might be looking at. Um, and yeah, so I think now is when the implementation of it really begins. Right now it's been a outward facing tool where people can just try it out and, um, you know, understand their textbook. But now we're getting to actually changing the textbooks, actually changing everything. I think this year has been absolutely crazy for all the education boards. They've had to deal with a lot. Um, so I think we'll, it might take some time, but I'm sure it'll be out soon.
1: Ananya, where does this go uh, from where you are, right? And uh, also tell me a bit about what you are going to be doing next. You talked about going to Stanford. Yeah. What is that you're going to be studying? And, and then what happens to this mission? What are you, how, What is the future? Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, definitely. So that's a really good question. So um, I'm hoping that we can roll it out into the entire I mean, in India in general, in the CBSE board, in hopefully the state boards, and so on. And then I'm thinking that, you know, if I can pursue this goal in the future, I hope to make it international because this is definitely an international problem. We've seen that, I mean, I saw that in the research papers itself, you know. There was research being done, as I said, in Australia, Pakistan, Singapore, Egypt, in several other places in the world. So if we're able to build models like that for those reasons. I think we can make change happen all over the world with regards to this issue. I think that would be really great. Of course, we'll have to build a different model for those textbooks because the people in those textbooks would definitely look different. Uh, For example, in Indian textbooks, it's Indian people that you see. In Australian textbooks, it will definitely be different. In Pakistani, Egyptian, so on. So um, that's how Like if we, if I make this really big, I think that's how I would go for it. That's how I would try to have the maximum impact with grid parity and maybe even extend it to other forms of representation, of ethnicity representation, of race representation. So, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of scope in this project and I think there's a lot we can do, but generally in the future, I think, um, so one thing I would tell to all of your viewers, I guess, um, is to experience things and do things. And you'll see how many doors that opens up. So for example, when I built Grid Parity, um, I, I got a bunch of new ideas of what I want to do in the future, of what I want to do alongside. Um, and I think that was really great. For example, you know, when I was building Grid Parity, now I'm interested in data set creation as well, in you know, AI data set creation. Uh, and how we can actually use it for social good because there are so many places um, to use this. And furthermore, how we can improve AI itself because AI has a bias problem that's so prevalent. Um, I was
1: about to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: because, like, how I see it is um, you know, the same way we change textbooks to change the thought process of children. Um, in the same way, we have to change the data, change the algorithm to change, you know, the predictions and the thought process of uh, an AI model. I think that's another part that's really interesting because I absolutely love AI. I feel like it has so much potential and it can be separated from prejudices of our current society. It can have an intelligence that is better than our own. I think we just have to do it. We just have to make that change in our data, make that change in our algorithm, uh, so on and so forth. And I think that's another area I'm really passionate about.
1: What is that you're going to study ahead?
0: Oh, yeah, uh, I'm, I th- I'm planning to study. I got in for computer science, uh, but I, I definitely also want to take, you know, gender studies um, and topics like that to get some kind of different perspectives. So when I go into my computer science classes or go into... Trying to change things, you know. I think those kind of humanities classes will add to my uh, CS.
1: No, amazing, and and it's it's really really amazing to watch you, you know, hear you actually, <laughs> of applying this uh, for 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 good, uh, for social good and societal good. That's amazing. Uh, but just one thing I wanted to ask you now: machine learning or AI uh, gets better as you throw more data at it. Mm-hmm. it. Uh, in, in, in grid parity's case, for example, mm-hmm. uh, is it only English language so far or you think in future it could be d- languages because that's one big uh, gap we have, when it, especially when it comes to
0: Indian languages. 100%. Thank you so much for bringing me that up. Uh, multilingual AI and multilingual NLP, I would 100% want to explore that idea. I forgot to bring it up, but um, in the future of grid parity 100% I want to be changing um you know the Punjabi textbooks the Kannada textbooks the Hindi textbooks all of that so I think that's going to be another important aspect so there's a there's a lot of scope in this project there's a lot to do there's a lot left so I think that's going to be a really interesting journey now
1: great this this was this was a fascinating conversation Ananya, and and it's it's so humbling because it it teaches us uh you know, if sometimes we don't think about these things because it doesn't touch us in, in the way uh, that it touched uh, others and we don't realize it. Uh, but uh, thank you for uh, making me realize it and uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, Godspeed. And uh, you should keep this alive and you should take this to whatever levels uh, you can.
0: Definitely. Thank you so much, Pankaj. great talking to you.
1: Yes, same here.